Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti Equiwell Dubai. And here she is. She won the Hero Award at the Horse Racing Island Awards, quite rightly too, and joins us now in the Luck on Sunday studios. Katie Walsh, what a week. Nick, how are you? This, I appreciate it's not the highlight of the week, but that must have been quite something. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, was, it was lovely to be recognised in... Uh, you know, very thankful to HRI. Um, you know, I didn't think it was going to happen. We were led there under false pretenses. So um, uh, it was it was a lovely night and um, caught myself Nina by surprise anyway. And lovely to, to have the joint award with Nina as well. And your career sort of mirrored one another, ended pretty much mm-hmm. at, the, at the same time or within a couple of weeks day of each other? Of each other yeah. A day of each, day other. each other, yeah. yeah, yeah. And did either of you know that you were going <clears> to <throat> call it a day? Um, yeah, well, we walked the track. Uh, first day of Punchdown was Tuesday, and we were walking the track together, as we always did. And uh, Nina said to me, uh, I'm, you know, on Saturday, I'm going to, I'm, I'm out. And I said, I said, I'm the same. I said, to be honest with you, I said, I've been thinking about it as well. And we had a bit of a moment, and um, she had a cry, and I had a cry, and we continued to walk the track. And I said, I'm out. I said, but I ride my next winner. And um, she said, I'm gone by Saturday. I never thought I'd ride a winner that week. And it's very hard to ride a winner in Punchestown. But, um, yeah, it came around to Friday. And, um, you know, that's racing, just the knock-on effect of everything else. I think I think Danny was meant to ride Auntie. And then I think Noel Feedy was meant to ride Auntie. And they both got stood down. And then I was just happened to be walking through past the scales. And Willie was standing there with David Casey. And he said, you're you. And I said, yeah. And he said, uh, do you want to ride Auntie? And I said, yeah. So he said, OK, in you go. So I went in and uh, got my colours and um, it was the second last race on the Friday and he went out and he won and uh, that was it. I said, that's it, I'm, I'm out, I'm done. So, so. Did, he, he, did he know? Or no, not? he didn't he had know. no inkling at no, all? No, he didn't know, no. I think Ruby uh, leaned over to him at one point because um, it was a tight finish, it was only a short head and said, you know, if she's up, um, you know, she's... Um, She's not going to ride anymore and really couldn't figure it out. He was, didn't know whether it was after doing something wrong or was after breaking the rules. He couldn't figure out what was going on. So, uh, yeah, there was great excitement. So when it was called out that um, I was after winning, um, uh, yeah, I think he figured then that, um, that I was, he understood what was going on. So when you and Nina had that moment on the track when you both realised each other was retiring mm. within a day of each other, two of the most successful exponents of their craft in, in the amateur ranks, mm. female jockeys at the last 20 years or so, um, do you think there was anything that that, that, could, that unified the reasons behind you, do, you both doing it at the same time? Um, I suppose life, time. Um, I think um, um, I suppose Nina has a little girl, do you know what I mean? And she's going to face into the, in, into the summer, summer race and the evening meetings and it's hard to do. Um, for me, you know, I've... I do the sales and I do the breeze ups and that gets really hard and really busy. That's a tough time of year, you know, February the whole way through, February, March, April, May and same time of year you were facing into all the festivals and um, I suppose life moves on and time moves on and we thought about it separately. I really thought about it after Aintree this year on the drive from Aintree actually, which I've done for the last couple of years down to Newmarket because that's when the sales starts, the Craven meeting and um, I was in the back of the car and I was driving down and um, I just was going over in my head thinking, I don't know if I can do this again, you know, this driving over and back. And I, I absolutely loved it, but definitely the next phase of my life looked like it was going to be the sales and um, going from festival to sale. And, you know, you've a responsibility, you've got horses now for other people. And um, if something happened and you weren't going to be at the sales, you know, that has an effect as well. And, you know, you have to realise that, you know, you can't do everything. 
and you need to, as I tried to do it for as long as I could and absolutely loved it, but there comes a time where you have to go, right, enough is enough. And we did everything that we wanted to do. Mm. Nina was champion lady rider numerous numerous occasions. Um, you know, we rode loads of winners everywhere. We went to Chetlam every year for the last couple of years, you know, so um, um, I think, you know, there comes a point and it, it was on our own terms, which is which was very important mm. for both of us. But you as a family must have a, a desperate problem saying no to anything because you're all brilliant multitaskers. I mean, at one point, Ruby held down the two biggest jobs either side of the IRC, which was almost unprecedented mm. for, a, for a national hunt jockey and did so extremely successfully. Your dad trains horses, breeds a few horses, does all his TV work at the same time yeah. and goodness knows what else. You, you're consigning horses for the sales. Yeah. You were riding. You were yeah. training with yeah. Ross as yeah. well. I, it... it you're all people who are very capable at doing lots of things at the same time. I suppose, you know, you make sure you're doing it. Do you know what I mean? You're here, you're here today, you're in Sandown yesterday. I met you last week in, in London doing something else. When you love doing something, you want to do it as much as you can. Mm. And it's very hard to say, no, I don't want... You know what I mean? It's, it doesn't feel like... None of, the, none of what you've just said, I can speak for Dad and for Ruby, is work to any of them. Do you know what I mean? Work for Ruby, riding Paul Nichols' horses on a Saturday and coming home and riding Whaley Mullins' horses on, on a Sunday. People would cut off their left leg for those kind of opportunities. I was. He has nearly done a few times. <laughs> um, you know, like all of, all of you said is an absolute passion and a love mm. for all of us. So I was only trying to do it for the best that I could for as long as I could. But, you know, there comes a time where you just have to say enough is enough. Was there any moment at any point during your childhood, your adolescence, your adulthood where you thought, I'll do something different other than horses? No, definitely. Um, I don't know anything else, I'm afraid. I'm going to be in serious trouble because if I can't do horses, I'd be, I'd be out on the street, I'm afraid. Um, you know, it was something that I was... Um, I always, always wanted to work with horses. Um, I ne never necessarily wanted to be a jockey, but I knew I wanted to be out in the yard with Dad. And, um, you know, that was, that was something that I wanted to do and I absolutely loved it. Um, and then I only got my licence because um, I'd like to get my amateur licence and I would have liked to have ridden in a race. And, you know, lucky enough, I, was, I had a winner for Dad in a horse called Hannah in an amateur flat race down in Gorn. And then I had a couple of rides for Dad and a couple of lady races. And then um, I rode one for Willie one day, a, girl, a mare called Avoca Mist. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, very early on, and uh, she won. And uh, she won in Thurlis, a ladies race in Thurlis. And then he let me ride her in a winner's bumper in Fairy House. And the same year, he let me ride her in April in the in the in Aintree in the Good Mare's Hurdle. Like, that was a huge call. You know what I mean? He didn't have to. It was a professional race in Aintree. I was barely an amateur, only pointing him in the right direction and, you know, hoping that they were good enough. But, you know, that was that's the kind of man he is. Like, he said, no, you're after winning on twice. You can ride him in Aintree. It's the same year, actually, that Ruby won the National on Hedgehunter. So I think it didn't matter. <laughs> by, the time the hurt, by the time the bumper came round, it didn't quite matter what I did. Uh, all the, the pressure was off. All the pressure was off. Hedgehunter was after coming across the line in front. But, um, but yeah, only for, for him, really, uh, my career and for Dad and loads of other people would have been, I would have been tipping around probably in the yard and riding in a couple of lady races here and there. Opportunities. When you first got the leg up on a few in, in proper races, did you feel like you belonged instantly or did you think, what am I doing here? No, I never felt like what I was, thankful I was there. I never felt mm. like, what am I doing here? I was like, this is just brilliant to be here. You know, I'm just so happy to be, you know, to, to ride in Chetlam. I never thought I would ride a winner in Chetlam. Actually, when I rode a winner in Chetlam in November for Eric McNamara on a horse called Hordago, I thought mm. I died and gone to heaven. I thought that was my march 
you know, that amateur race in November was without doubt the highlight. And I never thought I would ride one in Chetland itself at the festival because it's so hard. There's so many people who write out their claims who ride their entire lives who never have a winner there. So when the phone rang from Ferdy Murphy to ride Pokestabola in the four mile, you know, I you know, I had no ride that week and I got the phone call on the Sunday and the race was the Wednesday and I was like, absolutely, I'd love to. There you are, just over your left shoulder. Yeah. Yeah. It was a very special moment for you. It was a, a pulsating race to watch as well. Yeah, it was. And something, something in you and Nina Carberry jumping the last together and giving it everything from there to the line, it, it seemed like a bit of a game-changer, really. I know you rail against the idea of being a... a pioneer in any in any way for for female jockeys but it, I think it was a bit of a game changer Yeah I didn't realise at the time how much press it was after getting at home I think the fact that um, Nina obviously was riding because because I couldn't see and um, I think the fact that you know it's the four mile it's steeped in history it's a race that every amateur wants to win and um, I think the fact that we jumped the second last upsides and down to the last and there was the two of us upsides and it was neck and neck you know, I think it was just great excitement. And, um, um, yeah, it was probably was a change. Nina had ridden um, a winner in Chetland before, and um, but she was delighted for me to ride a winner. You know, obviously, she would have loved to have won it herself. Who wouldn't have? But I think the fact that I hadn't ridden a winner before, she was as happy. If it was going to be someone, she was happy that it was me. Do you think you became a better jockey because of her? Definitely. She upped the game for everybody. Um, she, when she was riding, um, you know, she rode in pony races, and then she changed. She obviously got her amateur license, and she rode a couple for her dad, and then she um, rode from then on all the bumper horses for Noel Mead. And um, but her first winner was the Ladies Derby in the Curra, and she was always so stylish, and she just upped it to a different level. And if you wanted to compete, you. Um, it's like everything. Everyone wants to be, mm. you know. So I kind of looked to her and said, "Well, if I'm going to survive, I need to be, I need to be aiming at at Nina." So she upped the game again. So I would have thought, from a style point of view, Nina definitely upped the ante for every girl. And I, I only know her in a, in a professional capacity, really, but she seems just incredibly even as well. So the the highs aren't too high and the lows aren't too low. That, well, that's at least the appearance that she gives. Oh, so yeah. it's quite a, it's quite a quite a nice way to be as a sports person. Yeah, it is, but um, I think that's the way you have to be in racing, isn't it? It's, 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 a, it's a great leveller. You know, you don't, you, know, you never get too big for, for your boots because you don't know what's going to happen. We were only talking about it the other day. Her first winner was Dabaroon for Paul Nolan in a hurdle race in Chatham, and she was actually went over originally to ride in the bumper the next day, yeah. a horse called Karanja, was it? Mm. And it was favourite, and our second favourite, and he whipped at the start and mm. he dropped her. Victor Dartnell's horse, yeah. Do you know, she was devastated, naturally enough. But, you know, to ride a winner the day before, to, you know, thinking, you know, this is, you know, here I am, you know. You never think in racing, I have arrived, you know, like this, because you just never know what's going to happen. And, you know, that's, it's great life lessons, horse racing is. I mean, Thousand Stars, when you won on him yeah. at the Cheltenham Festival, I mean, that was a little bit of a surprise package to, to quite a few, but... So well, what he did subsequently, he was yeah. an extremely well handicapped horse yeah. on that day. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I got the call up to ride Thousand Stars one day in Fairy House. There was <clears throat> there was um, a good few meetings on everywhere else, and I think a couple of the lads could have been in England. And it was a real foggy day, and um, I went I went down to I hadn't sat in them before, so I went down. It was a Sunday, and 
fairy house and I went down and uh, I sat up with him that morning down in Willie's and I gave him a canter and then I went to the races but it was really foggy and I dropped him in and he switched off lovely but it didn't matter you couldn't see you couldn't see your hands it didn't matter what you did no one was going to find out and no one could see no, him no. in the fog either could they so um, then he just pulled him out the second last and gave him a squeeze and away with him and um, he, run, he won really well that day and then um, I kept a ride on him he ran in I can't think it was, it was the Labrock hurdle then Christmas time the Pierce yeah. hurdle maybe big handicap hurdle and um, uh, I jumped out mid-div and he ran two free and um, he fell into a bit of a hole and then um, after that then he ran the county hurdle and I, and, uh, I kept the riding him there. I think he was he was fancied in the Labrock and when he ran a bit below par kind of, you know, he yeah. wasn't as, as, as people didn't think he wasn't as hot any, anymore and then he rocked on to uh, the, the county hurdle and I kept the ride on him. And he won. Fun horse to ride, I'd imagine. Oh, brilliant. I still have him at home. Do you? Yeah, he's not that colour anymore. No. No, no, he's white. But, um, uh, yeah, he's uh, he's gorgeous. Gorgeous, bonny little horse. You'd love him. Absolutely love him. And how often are you riding now? Every day. Every day. Flat out. Flat out. Flat out, yeah. Because it's not only you know, you're going to keep all your old horses going, but also your your youngsters, all, your, all the horses you're preparing for the sales. Yeah, absolutely. And dad trains, obviously. So dad's got... Uh, about 18 or 20 national hunt horses, a mix of national horses and flat horses. And um, then, you know, the breezers are all there as well. So they're all done as well. And then Ross has, you know, kind of, he's full up as well. You know, there's 40 boxes over there. So, you know, and that was part of the decision as well. You know, mm. you can't be, you have to, you know, uh, Ross is f- f- flying now, you know. Um, at For anyone who doesn't know, this is your husband, Ross yes, O'Sullivan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and, uh, you know, I need to be able to help out everybody and... Um, that was part of the decision as well. And for a young trainer trying to make their way in Ireland against the, the twin titans of Willie Mullins and yeah. Gordon Elliott, how optimistic dare you be in the current climate? As I said before, it's a passion and it's a love. And, you know, I spoke about Nina up in the ante for Lady Riders and it's just Willie and Gordon have up the ante for National Hunt Trainers. You know, and people say, oh, it's not fair and they have the majority. You know, but, you know... Such is life, you know. Get stuck in, try and get the horses you can, do the best of what you have. And that's all anyone can do, you know. And uh, it's a passion and a love for Ross. He absolutely loves it. And, um, you know, once everyone can keep their head above water and try and get your hands on a couple of good horses, that's what it's all about. I've asked a lot of people who sat in that seat who've worked with husbands, wives, fathers, daughters, cousins, brothers, sisters... Do you find it easy to work with family because you work with your brother, you work with your father, you work with your husband? Do you find it straightforward or does it pose difficulties? Uh, no, I do find it straightforward because we're probably, you know, those characters that if it has to be said, it'll be said. There's no, there's no, um, you know, I won't be holding a grudge for a couple of days and dad definitely won't be holding a grudge for a couple of days. You know, if something happens and, you know, someone's going to get a bollock and, you know, it's going to happen there and then, then it's forgotten about, you know. And I've worked with dad since I left school, since I was... 15, 16, you know what I mean? So um, I've been there. I didn't finish school, you know, so I've been working with him ever since. And um, I know what he's thinking before he even knows what he's thinking, and that's a massive help. And, uh, yeah, with Ross as well, you know, um, I don't try and... I'm there if he needs me, and I go down to the work, down to the car, and I'll ride work for him, and we'll sit at home in the evening and go through plans with different horses. But, you know, it's very much... Um, it's He has the licence, and it's, and, it's, and it's his thing, and it's his gig, and he seems to be doing a pretty good job so far. And you've had an amazing year consigning horses for sales, for Breeze Up Sales, for Yilling Sales. For, uh, and, and we see the, the huge figures in the papers. You've sold one for 600 grand mm. or 500 grand. Uh, that's grand, but it's not, it's not 
all your money? No, absolutely not. Um, uh, you know, I was lucky enough to consign a couple of different horses last year for different people, and they um, they made really good prices. And um, you know, Frank and Philly East, obviously, you know, it was a massive highlight. She um, she went to Gore's Bridge, and she and, and um, she was the fastest breeze, but she was the fastest breeze out of all the the breeze up sales last year. And um, um, she went on to um, uh, win her maiden, and then she went to France, and she won a Group Two, and then she ended up at Breeders' Cup, mm. so that's obviously a massive highlight. You know, it was great to have her. It was great to be in, involved with her. You know, um, she was a lovely filly t- to do anything with. But um, I have all brackets of horses, from horses that can make make twenty and thirty grand, from horses that'll make mm. a hundred, one hundred fifty, two hundred grand, and who knows? You know, and um, you know, it's. Um, but you get you get the headline in the racing post. Walsh Walsh sells another one for half a million. Everyone expects he would be driving a Bentley into the sales yeah. complex the next time. Yeah. No such luck, I'm afraid. <laughs> Absolutely not. No. Um, does, does that does that sale ring adrenaline, or f- a little bit of fear, a little bit of adrenaline, not qu- quite knowing what's going to happen? Does that get get you going a little bit? Yeah, I suppose it does. You know, it's like anything when your own money's down and chips are down and, and, and you're hoping that this is it, you know, you kind of you set out to buy a certain number of horses every year and at the end of the day, once you can keep selling them and keep moving them on and hopefully clean the slate and go again you know, it's the year that you go that you can't sell anything and then you have to get stuck back in the next year, that's that's very difficult and um, um, yeah, you know, there's nothing it's it's definitely a different type of, of um, you know, someone asked me, is it good as writing a winner um, it's no, it's not because you can't buy a winner. You know, it, there's nothing like uh, the adrenaline of jumping the last and chatting them and coming up and crossing the line on Pocus of Ola or Relegate or whatever it may be. You can't buy it no matter how much money you have. So, um, but it's lovely financially. Of course, my heart is definitely would say riding winners, but financially, your head and to survive, you know, it's uh, it's all about the money, isn't it? You're not talking yourself into a comeback, are you? Absolutely not. Definitely. I've made my decision. No, I'm not one of them, I'm afraid. Um, I'm very happy uh, with the decision that I've made. No regrets. I miss it. I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, I've no problem. I definitely miss it. But that's natural enough. You're going to miss it when you um, when there's nothing wrong with you. You know, I left on my own terms and, you know, I was still going to hopefully going to be going to Chetland with a ride in the four mile, riding the Kim Yor, maybe pick up something in the bumper for Willie and get another one maybe in a hurdle race. You know, I was going off to Chetland every year with maybe two or three rides, four rides. You know, and you know, that was the main thing about staying amateur for me as well. You know, people say, why didn't you turn professional? Because I wasn't guaranteed to be going to Chetland if I was a professional. And that's where I wanted to be. There's, you'll sit down, we'll sit down in March next year and you open up the paper. Just, there's, there'll be a handful of jockeys about rides in Chetland next year. And unless you're associated with Willie Mullins or Gordon Elliott or... You know, Jigginstown or certain owners al- along the way getting those rides is merely impossible. There'd be loads of lads in, in Ireland that l- never got the opportunity. I was going off every year with three, maybe four rides in Chatham, and that's where I wanted to be. I didn't want to be in Wexford, and there's nothing wrong with Wexford, but St. Patrick's Day, I didn't want to be there. I wanted to be in Chatham, and for me, that's what it was all about. So for me to be there, the best way of being there was being amateur. Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albastiet Cruel Dubai.